0: Hi, I'm Reagan, and thanks for listening to my dad's podcast, Lasting Learning. Hi, this is Dave Schmidow, the host of the Lasting Learning podcast. On this show, we talk to real people with real stories. We focus on the focus and discuss what matters most. Let's go.
1: This podcast is a proud member
0: of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcasts. Now let's get back to the episode. All right, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Lasting Learning Podcast. Super glad you're here. This week is going to be absolutely incredible. We got a guy on who um, I admire, and he'll, he'll hear all about this today. I'm going to be blowing so much smoke his way today. It's going to be ridiculous. <laughs> we got a guy on who I have been tracking for a couple of years now. Um, some of you that know my story, you know that I, I used to be down in the south, down in Pensacola, Florida. And this was a guy who I looked to as a, a northerner because he was way up in Alabama. Now I'm up here in Michigan, and I look down at him and say, wow, what's it like down there in the south? we got a guy who is going to be no stranger to probably like 100,000 of you that are listening to this because he is everywhere on the internet. His Twitter following is legit and it's because of uh, the words that he says and the work that he promotes and basically it's, it, he sees it as his calling to make teachers feel the value that they deserve. Today we've got Dr. Danny Steele here joining us. Danny, thank you so much for being on the, the podcast.
1: Thanks, Dave, it's an honor to be with you.
0: Absolutely. Yeah, you know, I, I talk about how everybody out there knows you. They know your words, they know your tweets, they know the steel thoughts, all that stuff, but maybe they don't, I don't know. Do you mind just taking a few minutes and just introducing yourself to those couple of people that might not know
1: you? Sure, there's, um, in undergrad, in philosophy class, we had to write a paper called There was more to me than meets the eye. And uh, certainly I would want people to know there's more to me than a tweet. <laughs> Um, I, uh, I initially was born up north in Philadelphia, but lived in the south most of my life. Uh, been in Birmingham here my entire professional career. Um, started teaching here in 1993. Uh, taught in Birmingham city, taught and coached for four years, and then I taught in a very affluent, um, suburban school. Uh, so kind of opposite of the spectrum in terms of demographics and taught and coached there for four years. And then I got sort of the itch to try administration. And so I was an assistant principal at four different high schools for uh, 10 years and then a principal at a high school for three years and a principal at a sixth grade center for five years and, um, uh, did a lot of schooling along the way and, um, met a lot of students and had the privilege of working with a lot of awesome teachers and support staff and, you know, everyone that takes all those people to make the school work. And, um, but big career change this past um, fall, I began teaching full time at a local university, the University of Montevallo, uh, teaching instructional leadership. And it's been a great uh, opportunity for me to sort of recharge a little bit and allow me to pursue some other, some other things. And, um, but definitely a big change of pace. I mean, people ask me a lot, how it's going and, um, it's a great gig, but, uh, I, you know, I really miss the kids and the teachers and I love everything about school culture. So while I'm grateful for the job I have now, um, you know, sometimes I'm still itching to walk the halls and and hand out some high fives and, um, uh i mean school schools are a great place to be and you know that i know you believe that so um uh it's nice to reconnect with another educator and um i'm always grateful for these opportunities
0: i, I kind of want to talk about what you're doing now and then we'll take that and go full circle back to, to where it began so this year you, you made that switch like you said um and it is a switch i mean yeah you're, you're teaching again but it's a different level of teaching, and now you're you're doing more research and writing, and you know you've written books. But now it's a different level of reading and research and writing. Um, what is the the biggest change right now? Is it simply the pace, and the fact that you're you're now kind of like your own boss, and you have to manage your own time and responsibilities, or is it uh, just the lack of kids walking down the hall every day?
1: It's both. Uh, there's there's been Two big learning curves and two big adjustment curves for me. The the learning curves, um, the courses I'm teaching, I've never taught before. So imagine you're 22 years old and you're first time teaching. And so you're reading the textbooks just along with the students. So I've got that learning curve of of learning the content that I'm teaching um, to these graduate students. And um, then there's a learning curve of uh, the platform that we're using, Um, like 80% of what I'm teaching probably is online. And that's not how I attended graduate school. So, so learning how to deliver online material, trying to try to do it in an engaging and meaningful way, that's, that's a learning curve. And then the two adjustment curves, um, not being around kids and, and teachers, that's a huge adjustment. And then sort of the unstructured day, you know, for 26 years, I'm in a school building from seven to four or whatever, or till 10 o'clock. If I've got games, I'm supervising, you know how that goes. So, um, So not having, uh, not having the constant structure and routine, not having the same place I'm going every day. um, That's a big adjustment. So, um, you know, it gives me a lot of flexibility and freedom, but it is, it is very, very different not having the structure and the routine that you have when you've been in a school for 26 years.
0: And it's, it's, it's fascinating. You know, you're in your 27th year and to make that change right now, for some people, they might be looking at that saying, "Why now you know you've got three kids how, how many of them live at home with you right now
1: I've, My two boys are at uh, the University of Alabama, a junior and a freshman, and my daughter is in the ninth grade okay in school so i've got one, and we just got a new puppy about a uh, beginning of the, of the year, beginning of January, so we're still in that high maintenance puppy stage so um, that counts for a couple kids, right? Now.
0: <laughs> right. There you go. Yeah. I, I know you're also, uh, professional friends with, with Todd Whitaker. I'm guessing personal friends as well. Um, uh, and that's a name that a lot of people uh, probably know as well. Uh, another university professor that goes out there and does great work like, like you are. Does, did his work inform or motivate, inspire you to, to kind of make this shift and realize it's something you could do?
1: Well, he was, he was obviously huge for me. he, um, I remember back early in my administrative career, he was kind of a role model for me. Um, you know, his book, What Great Teachers Do Differently, and then as a, as a young administrator, his book, What Great Principals Do Differently, had a huge impact on me. And I got to hear him speak a few times, and I just really looked looked at him as a role model. I felt like he was, you know, he just scratched me where I itched. And um, I, I was at an ASCD conference in Atlanta uh, about four years ago. And he, so at this time I still didn't know him. Uh, He certainly didn't know me. I mean, we had never really met. And he happened to to mention at the conference when he was talking, you know, he was doing a talk on school culture or something. He said, no, by the way, Twitter's the best professional development out there for educators now, you know, free 24 seven PD. And that really, really caught me off guard. And, but I'm like, Hey, if Todd Whitaker says it, it's gotta be true. So driving home from Atlanta um, in you know, March of 2016, I got started a Twitter account. And I was, I resolved that I'm going to get all our teachers on Twitter, because I'm like, okay, Todd said it, we're going to do it. And so that sort of uh, started a new sort of chapter in my career where I began to um, sort of broaden my horizons a little bit. And like, I thought I was a good principal uh, until I got on Twitter and saw what principals in Wisconsin and Minnesota and, you know, New York, California, Missouri were doing. And it absolutely seeing the great work that's out there and the energy and the inspiration, it just absolutely inspired me to, to elevate my game. And, um, so I began connecting a lot and sort of found my voice, um, with, uh, with the content that I was, I was putting out there and, um, and that's how I sort of connected with Todd initially. Um, you know, I asked him for advice. I said, I would like to do some speaking and try to do some writing. And so I, I sort of reached out to him, uh, early on. And he said, well, you just got to try to apply to speak at those big conferences and people are never going to, um, hear you speak, or they're never going to ask you to speak if they don't hear you. So you just got to put yourself out there. So, uh, you know, one thing led to another and we ended up collaborating when, when he first talked to me about the possibility of collaborating on a book project, you know, I started, this is my, like my hero, right? Um, He's up on a pedestal for me. So he mentions this to me and I'm like, you know, I start looking for cameras on the wall. Like I'm on candid camera or something being punked. (laughs) Like Todd wants to work with me. Like, dude, do you know who I am? And, um, so, uh, so anyway, I, I could, I'm, I'm still sometimes pinching myself about the fact that I got to collaborate with him. So, um, I was real, real excited. And over the last few years, n- not only has he, um, sort of become a friend, but he's been a really n- good mentor in terms of, um, you know, doing what we do and trying to write and, and trying to speak some and, and, uh, he certainly encouraged me to, to pursue higher ed. It's, you know, one of the, the really cool things about teaching in higher ed is it just gives you a lot of flexibility, um in terms of being able to, to do some other things, speak and write, you know, superintendents like for principals to be in their building uh, as they should. So it's hard to, to do some of that stuff when you're, you know, being a principal. So, so it's given me some flexibility there.
0: So you, you mentioned that chronology and the fact that, I mean, this only, this only started four years ago, which is absolutely crazy to think about. I can only imagine in your world, how that feels too, that this, this, shift in, in your career, career trajectory really happened four years ago. But you've been you've been a successful principal, a successful leader for a long time. I mean, the state of Alabama has recognized you as the secondary principal of the year. I mean, you've got all these accolades and awards where people look at you and say and you've got it going on. But then you said you got on Twitter and started to realize that maybe there were other people out there that had things that you didn't have. What What is a good principal if you're not it? what is
1: well, you know, you're, you're kind, um, it's easy for us to just work with blinders on, you know, and like to just be focused on our own school or our own district or, or what people are doing in our own state. But, um, they're, they're just people around the country that are doing things that had never crossed my mind. And, um, it, it, it just kind of opened my eyes to what was possible. And um, I'm not saying that I was a bad principal. um, But it's, it's easy to sort of get in a rut. And it's easy to just sort of feel comfortable. And, you know, as you know, when you start to get comfortable, you start to get complacent, and you kind of lose the edge. And um, so expanding my PLN a little bit outside the the borders of our state um it it kind of gave me a little bit of an edge i feel like in terms of um motivated me to to do more and to try to be more and um uh just push the envelope a little bit in terms of leadership and 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 certainly I, i know i'm preaching the choir here but there's just a whole lot of camaraderie i mean when you go a conference, you know, you're going really, I think for, for three things, you're going to hopefully learn one or two things you're going because you want to be energized and inspired. And you're going because you want to connect with colleagues. You want that camaraderie of people who are doing what you do. And that is exactly what Twitter is. Um, it, it, fills all of those things. It gives you ideas and strategies. Um, you know, there's camaraderie, obviously, and it's constant energy and inspiration. So um, th- that's been just, I think it's, it's been a game changer for me in my career.
0: Well, and I would argue just your platform has been a game changer for a lot of others. And again, the fact it's only been four years is insane to me. <laughs> it feels like you've been out there forever um, just sharing your, your thoughts and your little nuggets of truth because you're not just a consumer of Twitter. You're not just sitting there just asking people to feed you. You're, you're feeding others as well. I mean, I, I just looked at, as you were just talking, I just looked at 82,000 followers. That's insane. An educator with 82,000 other educators that are just saying, give, give me some of your truth. What, you, you talked about finding your voice on Twitter. What is your voice? What do you feel like is your, your message that you're trying to, to share
1: with people? You know, I mentioned this earlier, Um, I, I really, really love kids and I love teachers and custodians and SROs and nurses and librarians and counselors and maintenance techs. And, you know, I love everything about what it takes to make a school run and the people who just do extraordinary work day in day out. And there's so many challenges that go along with it, but it's so rewarding um, the difference that we make for students. And so I am I try to stay constantly mindful of that. And, you know, when I'm mindful of that, it, it kind of energizes me. And, um, and I just try to articulate those things. Um, you know, what do our core values look like day in day out as educators what is it that drives us why do we do what we do and um so you know i i don't think i put out anything that's real profound um or innovative but one of the things that i've learned in the last several years is that that humans really like to be validated in what they believe they like to be reminded that They're on the right track and that their work is meaningful and, and that what they do really matters. And so I I just try to reinforce that. And, you know, teaching is so hard. Leading schools is hard. There's challenges and there's oftentimes not a lot of thank yous. And so I want to just constantly remind people about what matters. And about the work that they do, and how important it is,
0: and I would argue that's exactly that's exactly the voice that comes into my head is you are this validator. you are the, there, there's so much negativity out there, there's so much bashing, and there's so many so many people that are critical to others. And you strike me as a person who's always on the hunt for good. You're always out there trying to find something good that you can celebrate, and I think that that's what resonates with so many people is they see the things that you are saying and they can, yeah, they can click the little heart and they can like it. They can hit the arrows and retweet it. But more than that, they can take what you said and they can replicate it in their own schools. You take something that you saw somebody else do or something that they said, and then we feel like, oh man, I can do that too. It's not a, you don't shame people so that we don't have to look at our own practice and say, oh, I shouldn't be doing this anymore. But you put other people up that we all feel like we can rise to that expectation too. And you make us feel better from scrolling social media, which is such an anomaly.
1: Well, my, my boys played basketball, and, and for many years they were both point guards. And so as I, would, as I was coaching them at home, I would talk about always having your head on a swivel. You know, always have your head on a swivel. Be looking around. And I try to do that um, you know, as a, as an educator, as an administrator is having my head on a swivel for moments of awesomeness. I mean, there are moments every day in a school that just absolutely fire me up. And, and so I try to capture those poignant moments that that maybe reflect the power of connecting with a student, or the power of redemption for a student who has been struggling with a bad reputation, or the power of a teacher who is bending over backward to to be flexible and uh, be empathetic towards students. I mean, um, a custodian who is cutting up with kids in the hallway and building relationships uh, when that's not part of her job. Those moments happen every day and in every school in America. and I don't want to let those moments slip by because to me, those are moments of awesomeness. Those are moments that remind us why we do what we do and they, they energize me and I I hope, you know, it's, it's my hope that they energize others as well.
0: I can only imagine being a a new instructional leader, a, a future principal, a future building leader sitting in one of your classrooms or interacting with you online and feeling that, that same level of inspiration. And I'm, I'm imagining right now that it, it's probably difficult for you to, to teach some of these classes right now. And I, I don't even know what classes you're teaching, today, other, other than it's instructional leadership, where so there's probably a lot of policy and finance and uh, exactly yeah. <laughs> statistics. How do, you, how do you make sure that you can sift through that so that this next generation of instructional leaders can really focus on the stuff that matters or to use your terms the, the essential truths because there's all of that content that that they're gonna learn when they jump into the to the game and start playing it right like this is what separates you from a lot of us and I, I would hope that we have a lot more future instructional leaders like you <laughs> um, how, how how do you how do you do that how do you inspire others to go and replicate this
1: well in a in a graduate setting it's challenging, and to be candid, I'm still trying to figure that out. You know, especially in an online setting. You know, when when I'm speaking to audiences and I'm face to face, I just try to tell them stories. You know, about what we do and about the power of connection. And so I think it's easy to make those human connections when you're face to face. It's more challenging in a. Um, you know, in an academic setting. And and when you've got some students who are attending virtually by Skype, um, that's part of what I'm still trying to work through. Um, But uh, I do, I have taken some some moments uh, in class, I've tried to capitalize on moments where I sort of almost get like up on a soapbox in terms of talking about the meaningful work that we do. Um, because it, it is, you know, it's hard, it's hard work, it's hard work, but it's got to come from the heart as well. And, um, so your question is a good one. I'm still trying to figure that out, how to do that out in the academic setting.
0: Well, I, I'm going to validate you a little bit because I, I'll tell you that the fact that you are able to, to motivate and inspire so many people through 280 characters at a time tells me that you've got the power the the fact that just through podcasts and interacting with you like this it's it's inspirational so i i guarantee that people on the other side of the computer screen get this from you whether it's via skype google hangout reading the threaded discussion items and answering you know responding back just the fact that that you're asking those questions and realigning their thinking you know i think i think it's easy for us whether we're teaching kindergartners or teaching graduate students to sometimes get caught in teaching the minutiae, we, we teach the weeds, as opposed to sifting through the weeds and refocusing on, on what's important, and those essential details. Um, so first of all, I, I commend you for taking on the challenge, because I can only imagine how difficult that is for you to, to make a, a career shift like this, and also wrestle with, man, but how do I get my heart back into this? How do I right, get right? right, my right, right heart right. Is still in it? But I'm, I'm still feeling it from you. Um, I'm feeling the fact that there is that tension and, and you're saying, I want to make sure I can do that. Your heart is in it for the right reason. And I guarantee your students feel it. I guarantee they do. Um, what, what is the, the end goal for you with, with this? Um, it, it's a 10-year track position, correct? Yeah. So, so yeah. you're in this for at least the next four to five years now um, as you, as you chase that and, um, do you have a, a research interest? What is it that you're going to be looking for? Or is that still unfolding?
1: Well, um, m- my colleagues and I, this spring, uh, two colleagues who are also teaching instructional leadership, we're uh, doing a little study where we identified five five principals in our state who sort of have turned around their school, meaning the last year on the school report card that the state puts out, they jumped two letter grades in one year. So we've identified these five principals, and we're going to go and interview them. And, you know, just a qualitative study where we are looking to see how, what is your view of what you're doing. I mean, what do you attribute this to and try to pick their brain a little bit about what type of leadership they're engaged in that can, you know, bring about those types of, of improvements. Um,
0: now I'm, I'm going to, I got I gotta ask you real quick. Because I know it's it's a research study, and you're looking for the truth. But what if you hear from these principals, I passed out more worksheets, um, I had the students just sit down and, and stare at books all day. I, I doubt that that's going to be the answer. But what if that's what they attribute? Do you feel like you'll be able to just sit back and take that, or will you uh, have to realign truth? <laughs>
1: um, uh, I think I would. I think we could probably have a long enough conversation to where I we could get below the surface a little bit. Um, you don't get those types of results by accident, and um, uh, usually you don't. And so,
0: guarantee <laughs> it, yeah. Uh,
1: so you know, we're going to spend some time commending these these leaders for the great work they're doing, for the great staff that they do. And, um, and I think we'll try to, um, you know, a good leader is not going to want to take the credit. They're going to want to give the credit back to their staff, but, you know, we'll, we'll make it clear in the conversation that there's some special stuff going on there and we're trying to uncover that magic and now's not the time to be humble about it. Um, so that's sort of something that I've got going with colleagues on a personal, um, on the personal side, I've started writing a book um, for teachers. And, uh, what I, what is motivating this book is I I was trying to think about what is it that is the total package, you know, and as a principal when I'm trying to hire someone who is the complete teacher, what am I looking for? And so for me, there were three dimensions. Um, so uh, I thought about calling the, the book, the three dimensional teacher, but, um, For me, the first dimension is sort of the teacher as practitioner, meaning they're solid technically. They know how to plan lessons. They know how to uh, manage the class and they understand class climate. They understand assessment, you know, all the technical side of of teaching. A second dimension is sort of the teacher as connector, meaning they understand um, the importance of knowing their students. They understand the power of building relationships with students. And then the third dimension is teacher as teammate, meaning Uh, they understand uh, the importance of bringing positive energy into the building each day and the role that they play in contributing to an overall good school culture. And so I think those three dimensions, if you understand and practice those three things, I think you're the, you're a total package. And so that's what I'm trying to flesh out in this book. Um, And something I'm particularly excited about is, is I've asked some, um, some teachers that I've had the privilege of working with in my, you know, I've worked in maybe seven different districts, uh, to, to contribute, um, little blurbs to the book. And so, you know, I think bringing in these teacher voices, um, whether it's about how they manage their class or how they approach their lessons or how they go about building relationships or how they collaborate with colleagues, whatever it is that, you know, their chapter they're fitting into, um, you know, I think it hopefully will bring some authenticity and, and, uh, credibility to this work but um, on a personal note it's a chance for me to sort of honor and and pay tribute to some of the awesome educators that I've had the privilege of working with in my career so that's uh, um, a writing project and there'll be some research um, it'll it'll have you know the books that Todd and I wrote didn't really have any citations this will have a little bit of research with it but um, but most of it'll be coming from me and, and the teachers.
0: That's awesome. You're, you're a busy man. (laughs) Did, did you, uh, four or five years ago, you know, when you first started exploring the idea of, of stepping out and maybe speaking, presenting, writing, doing, you know, just dabbling on this. Did you ever imagine that it was going to truly become a passion of yours? That just is, it's almost all encompassing.
1: No. Um, my brother, you know, my brother was talking to me 25 years ago about the book that I would one day write. And so I would be a teacher, you know, in Birmingham city or an assistant principal. And I would tell him about a story that happened at work. And he'd say, Danny, that'll be a chapter in your book one day. And I'm like, dude, what are you talking about? I'm not going to write a book. And so that was never even a pipe dream, but he was always talking to me about the speaking that I would do one day and the books that I would write. Um, I never, I never dared to even imagine that. Um, but, but I I do like to share my passion. Um, and I I don't have really, I feel like a lot of expertise to offer. I don't have innovative ideas to offer really, but I offer people my heart and, um, I, I still love what I do. And so that passion is what I try to share. Um, you know, either when I'm speaking or writing or putting little messages into 240 characters.
0: I would, I would challenge you and say that being somebody that truly does lead with their heart is innovative. That's not, that, that is a rarity. Um, there are others that, that would say that that makes you vulnerable. That makes you um, prone to uh, attack, if you will. If it's, if it's your heart that is always leading as opposed to just logic and we've got to do what the script says. Um, but I also would argue that, that that is truly what makes you successful because you get other people to weigh in and to buy in and to support you because they know that you are going to turn around and support them right back. And that's what, that's what truly makes great teams because the leader says this is – this is who I am, and this is who I will allow you to be. We don't have to have a facade. We don't have to have a front. We're just good people doing good work for the right reasons, and then you get people charging along with you. So that that is innovative. You might not see it because that's your own world, well, but take it, take it, take it from me. It's not the norm, and I'm I'm hoping that it becomes more the norm. As, as long as, as if you keep sharing your message, yeah, that would
1: be so- one of my goals. Then is to try to make that a more normal thing. It it, it, it still surprises me that, uh, you know, sometimes I'll finish talk, I'll finish a talk and people will say, um, I can just tell how much you care about what you're doing. And I want to say, don't, don't you? Doesn't everybody care? And so it's still, it it's, it's kind of tragic, I guess, that 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 that's an innovative thing because it's my it's my hope um it'll be our dream that that becomes the norm
0: you know what i I think i think it's gonna be an easier sell than than i'm probably giving it credit credit for but i think the vast majority of us entered our career because of our hearts we wanted to go out and change the world we wanted to inspire that next generation we truly love kids but then somewhere along the way, we got lost in those weeds. We were, whether it was evaluations or the scripted curriculums or the, whatever the case may be, we got lost in that, and that kind of it, we we it hardened our hearts, and we stopped just leading with our hearts because we, our hearts kept getting broken. And I, I'm I'm saying I I love the fact that you're bringing that back and saying I don't care where you are in your career, whether you're brand new whether you are going to be a new instructional leader, whether you've been in the the career for 27 years, be free to lead with that heart. It's okay. Put it out there. That's why you got into this job. That should be why you get up and do that job again tomorrow. Don't just leave it back there. um, when you first got that certificate, bring it every single day.
1: Well, and when we do put our heart out, when we do show a little bit of vulnerability that it makes us more human and Anytime we're more human, we're more relatable and it's easier for folks to connect with us. It's easier for us to connect with others. Um, so, uh, you know, I think that it's not just a, um, I mean, it's an approach to it's approach to what we do that I think makes us more effective.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. I I couldn't agree with you more, man. And I appreciate that you're bringing that out there. And just as a reminder to people You're not a kindergarten teacher who's supposed to be all touchy-feely and warm and fuzzy. I mean, you are a a secondary principal. You are a college professor now, and it's still okay (laughs) to have a heart. (laughs) Just a reminder. So regardless of what your role is right now, it's okay to have a heart and to let people know it. That's amazing. So Danny, I'm just going to ask you right now. I, I told you before we started that the way we tend to wrap up our conversations here is I give people the opportunity to drop the mic, if you will. Um, you know, you shared a lot of truth here. You shared a lot of wisdom that's inspirational. It's validating. Um, it it just—I feel good after this conversation, which is it's, its a good place to be. But I'm going to give you that opportunity now to to share your your parting words. Some people are listening to this as they're driving to work, and these might be the last words they hear before they walk in the door to, to see a bunch of kids. Some people are listening to this on their way home before they walk in and see their family and their kids. Some are listening to this as they fall asleep at night, and you're not putting them to sleep, but you're going to have some words resonating in their heads. What, what would you have be your mic drop moment? What do you want your last message to them to be?
1: To to the to people that are listening um, uh, to your show, Dave, uh, they're, you know, they're most likely educators or leaders. Um, and I want to say thank you. Uh, the work that you all do is very hard and, you know, it's, it can be emotionally draining, uh, when you do it well, it's emotionally draining and it takes a lot out of you and uh it's just so important i there's a sign that's that's been in my office like a a sports team will touch a sign when they leave the locker room i tried to cultivate the tradition of students and sometimes staff touching the sign when they leave my office and the sign says i'm the difference and for me that's the ultimate message of empowerment and so Uh, Educators, I want you to know um, when you go to work tomorrow, imagine touching that sign that says, I am the difference. Whatever it is that you're dealing with, whatever it is you're facing, uh, whatever the equation is at work that day, please know that you're the variable and you touch a lot of lives and you bring a lot of hope and uh, I appreciate the work you do for for students and for colleagues, and Dave, I appreciate you uh, taking the time to have me on and have this conversation. It's great to connect with you, and I appreciate the way you give a voice to educators and the way you elevate the profession with this show.
0: Man, that that's why <laughs> that's why I wanted you to be on right there. You know, you're doing so much great work, but your last words were about the people listening. That that's that's huge. That's leadership right there, and that's. That's a man who gets what education is all about. You know, as educators, there are so many of us that wake up every day saying, Am I making a difference? And is this really worth it? And, you know, we're in this career and we might not see the difference tomorrow. We might not see the difference at the end of this year. We're we're truly in the destiny changing business. We might not know it for 25 or 30 years if if we truly made that difference. But we can tell ourselves today that we are making the difference. You don't necessarily have to wait till you see that tangible proof. You don't have to wait till you get that that letter mailed to you from uh, that (laughs) that 25 or 30-year-old that had you 10 or 15 years ago. You can look yourself in the mirror and say, yeah, I'm I'm giving my all, and my all is good enough because uh, I'm doing good work, and I'm making good people. It's not all about test scores. It's not all about that academic return on investment. Sometimes it's just about helping make good people. That's what it's all about. Man. And you are good people, Danny. I, I appreciate you. Um, I appreciate you reminding us all about what it's all about and inspiring us to keep going every single day.
1: Dave, thanks for your kind words. I appreciate it. Absolutely.
0: Did you enjoy this episode? I hope so. If you did, Feel free to keep listening by subscribing right now to the Lasting Learning Podcast and get new episodes as soon as they're released. Interested in knowing more about me, Dave Schmidto? Well, feel free to find out what makes me tick by reading one of my books, Bold Humility, or It's Like Riding a Bike. Feel free to check them both out on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or directly on my website, schmidto.net. That's S-C-H-M-I-T-T-O-U dot